Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clearmotive Marketing. Thank you to my business partner, Chad Croker, and the entire team who worked tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show a reality. As a founding partner at Clearmotive, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our industrial marketing system. As a company with 15 plus years of experience with a variety of clients in nearly every sector, we identified that industrial manufacturing companies were underserved. You have unique needs, and we have developed a unique skill set to help you succeed. If you build and sell a product that helps other companies, we have developed an industrial marketing system to get your highest priority product in front of your ideal customer profile in less than eight weeks. Gardner recently reported that your buyers are 87% of the way through their buying process before contacting your company directly. That means it's never been more critical to apply the right marketing process to create and close more deals. Our three-stage industrial marketing system helps you shorten your sales cycle by using modern marketing tactics designed specifically for your industry and more importantly, for the way your clients like to buy. Stop sitting on the sidelines wondering which part of your marketing is working and put a system in place that makes it easy for your most valuable prospects to find you and get excited about your solution to their challenges. To find out more about what ClearMotive's industrial marketing system can do for you, please check us out at www.clearmotive.ca slash IMS, or better yet, open up your email and contact me directly at tyler at clearmotive.ca, T-Y-L-E-R. I'm excited to chat with you and put a plan in place to get your most valuable leads contacting you and not your competitors. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Mike Prosey. How are you, Mike? Good, doing well. Thanks. Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for reaching out. Good old social media. Like I always joke, I've said it a million times, biggest small town I've ever lived in. You and I connected on social. Very curious about what you're working on. You are the CEO and co-founder at Cratic AI. So let's jump in the elevator. We got 30 floors. Give us the, what the heck, what's a, what's a Cratic AI, Mike? Let's lay, lay it out for us and we'll take the conversation from there. So Cratic AI, really simply put, is a SaaS tool, software as a service, that helps teams maintain and build culture while working remotely, which obviously is a very big thing right now. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, it all comes back to authentic conversations, and Cratic helps teams have those authentic conversations. So we say we help build and strengthen culture through quality and strategic questioning. Like, I feel like you've gotten in the elevator before. That was very, very well done, sir. We, we, got, like 10, we got like 10 floors to go. I might have a post-it note somewhere. <laughs> you got the road on the mirrors with the thing. And, and, the, uh, yeah. and I heard loud and clear, though, this is, is this, is this quote-unquote COVID-inspired, or sorry, maybe work remote-inspired, not to give COVID so any credit? It, it's, it's very interesting, um, the journey that we've been on. So this was built and kind of envisioned far before covid my partner, Israel Peck, was in the big culture consulting space for a long time, and he always kind of knew or felt that there was there was a better, more scalable way to do culture, to allow people to have those true connections at work and be fully engaged at work. So he was thinking about this for a long time. Uh, he tried, as a lot of entrepreneurs do, outsourcing to different the technical aspects to different developers overseas in, in North America. Um, and what we found, as we all do, is that it's very expensive and it's hard to maintain control. And finally, he said, OK, I'm going to do it. I'm going to build this thing. He took four months off and took a boot camp course in Chicago to actually learn how to code. And then he built Cratic. And, it, and it's really incredible to see the skills that he's obtained so far. That was just before the pandemic. When we had envisioned Cratic, it was it was actually an in-person experience, and I'm looking forward to doing some in-person Cratic sessions as well. However, when the pandemic hit, there was just a major opportunity because everyone was trying to uh, figure out how you maintain culture remotely. It, it's a very difficult thing. It doesn't come naturally when you don't have those minor collisions in the office, yeah. pun intended. But uh, so it's um, it, so it, the timing worked out quite well, but it was kind of envisioned before the pandemic. But now we've seen just the true value of it, I think, while people are working remotely. I do appreciate the harder I worked, you know, the lucky, like, oh, what lucky timing. No, we worked pretty hard to be lucky and, you know, preparation and all those jokes around timing and luck and hard yeah. work. But the reality of, and I, I, of course, choose to look at everything I can through the pandemic filter with positivity. And I, a lot of people have had challenges through it, but I also believe it's pushed us in new directions. And it's created a level of permissibility of like, oh, no, that'll never work. Oh, wait a second. Well, we have no choice but to try because we've got a new set of rules dictated to all of us simultaneously. That was the uniqueness of COVID. When I had someone say, like, when was the last time we all got brought to our knees as a group with a kind of a shared, you know, foe? It's always, mm -hmm. well, that's your, that's a you problem, not a me problem, where this was all of us. So I love to see that. 
Um, I'm going to geek out a little bit, a little bit here. Like I love, I'm on your website, uh, Craddock.ai, and the first thing I see right across the top, next level performance, but powered by IBM Watson. So this is an AI-driven tool. So I don't, I don't want to lose some of our audience, but can you give me some of the some of the geeky bits on this thing of like how does AI play a role in here? And I'm not asking for the secret sauce, but I love that you know it sounds like this was a culture-led initiative that was enabled by technology, not technology running around looking for a problem to solve. You know what I mean? Like there's two very much past there that I see often. A bunch of tech people going, I've got this cool thing. What can we do with it? Versus someone who really understands the need and the and the challenge around culture then brings technology to the table to solve it, which I often see those as typically, I, I believe they'll be more successful in the, in the long run. So how did you guys bring all that together? And tell us a little bit about the tech behind the scenes. Absolutely. Yeah. So to your point there, which I think is a good one, we define ourselves as an employee engagement platform that utilizes AI, not an AI company that's tackling employee engagement. So there's a very clear distinction there, which I think is important. Um, so where does the AI come into play? So for a long time, uh, Israel and I both have, you know, together 15 plus years of corporate experience. And we've all, I think, at some point experienced the annual engagement survey, sometimes the dreaded annual <laughs> engagement survey. <laughs> it comes out It comes out once a year. Maybe it was terrible, but we lucky. never had a better way. So we just kept <laughs> doing it, right? <laughs> Ex exactly. Yeah. And it's all very... Uh, quantitative. So how are you feeling out of 10? How do you feel about your career development out of 10? How satisfied are you out of seven? And then at the end, you had a little bit of a text box and it's like, leave any comments. And someone would manually go through all those text boxes to kind of see if anything stands out. So it's a very time consuming process. And, so and, 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 we, and I'm going to add in not overly fulfilling for any parties involved. <laughs> no, no, no. And, and it creates what we like to call false hope, which is kind of the worst kind of hope because, you know, how do you action this? How do you take all this data and actually put it into actions and make changes off it? It's extremely difficult. There's 23 million culture managers on LinkedIn who are all kind of working in this space, but there's not one consistent methodology that we've found that has been really effective. So that's why we kind of created Craddock. Um, so as we started looking at this, what we realized is when people talk and converse, you get a lot more data and a lot richer data. And so a great example of this is, you know, maybe not for me, because I've only been on your show five minutes here, but for yourself, your listeners probably have a really great idea about your personality. So just from hearing you speak and the words that you use, they probably have an idea about your conscientiousness, your focus, your alignment, your friendliness, your openness, and they can kind of build a little bit of a picture of you. We do this all the time because um, it's a great way to kind of group really quickly. So humans- Well, arguably that's part of our evolution and how we survive, right? We thin slice the situation. It's our ability to go friend, foe, safety, am I at risk? Like this stems right back to the people who didn't, th those among us who didn't do that well have not passed our genes along. <laughs> Absolutely. We didn't yeah, make it. <laughs> we didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You find your tribe. So what, what we do is we use all text-based responses. And anytime anyone answers a question, we run that all through IBM Watson. It gives us a really rich data set on, on you know, how people are reacting to a conversation. So now when I ask you about trust or I ask you about vulnerability, you can't game the system and just put a 10 or put a one, but you're using your own words to describe it. And we pull the positivity out of that, the conscientiousness, the creativity, the openness to give people a really good thumbprint of their company. And is this using, this is using natural language processing, I'm assuming by the scenes to kind of associate and then grouping and, and creating patterns, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Very bang good. on. And then the one differentiator that I'd add is very similar again to your podcast where you have a guest on and you don't just run through the same questions every time you think and you adapt and you change. We do that as well. So if you start Craddock with five different teams at the end of five weeks, they all have different questions because oh, that's our really algorithm interesting. I love that personal because personalization at scale is one of the biggest challenges we're facing right now as we all demand our version of everything from medicine to communication to comp to lifestyle to everything. I want my version of it. And I don't necessarily care what the 10 other people on my team want. I want what I want. <laughs> you know, as, <laughs> we be, as we become so centric, led often by these devices we hold in our hands. But anyways, that's another yeah. podcast for another day. <laughs> mm, I, absolutely. But yeah, you're, you're bang on. So what it does is every team gets kind of a unique set of questions. So if one team wants to talk about peer-to-peer -peer feedback, leadership, accountabilities, happiness at work, they all have the option to do that. 
Interesting. So just as a, as a management group, if I'm, you know, four different managers sitting around in the, the manager room, whatever that is, I'm picturing the old teacher room, that la- that room yeah. in the school where no one else, no student could ever tra- pass because that was the teacher's <laughs> lounge. Over the, they, 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 they all train yeah. smoke and, and drank, drank scotch <laughs> to deal with, deal with me in their class. Uh, are they able to then have a level of consistency in terms of how they're like, I'm just thinking of if I've got five teams and they all diverge in a little bit of a different direction, all based on the same goal of really understanding what's going on and creating really valuable dialogue and ultimately more connection, which leads to high-performing teams. Those four or five managers get together to compare notes. Is there enough, like, are they able to do that? Or if things diverge to a point that, I'm assuming yes, because it wouldn't function in a large organization if everyone all of a sudden, the system was pushing them off into the corners of uniqueness. I'm assuming there's some consistency that the that the platform manages against the overall organizational structure and how, what the organization deems as important. Yes, ab- absolutely. So that consistency comes in the form of what we're actually measuring, which is the ocean framework, the big five personality framework, plus positivity. So because everyone is being asked different questions, but we're using the same measures, you're able to actually check those measures against one another. And and that's kind of where some of the standardization comes in, as well as we only have, I believe, 32 um, engagement traits. So we have things like emotional well-being, uh, psychological diversity, um, uh, career fulfillment, and we have certain questions in each of these categories. So eventually, when a team uses Cratic long enough, they experience, you know, a good chunk of the 600 questions that we have in our back end. So we are able to get that consistency and give organizations an enterprise level view of what's going on. So thinking about I bring the system into my organization, I'm not going to have a lot of organizational data, but what I'm building on are tried and true data sets of these functionalities. So I'm getting that, you know, back to IBM Watson, because it, it's all, you know, AI is only as good as the data you have. I've had many guests on to tell this. So I'm going to build up my own organizational data, but I can hit the ground running because the system is already preloaded with certain traits and certain criteria that we're measuring against. So you don't have to wait five years for the system to have enough data on your organization to be ultimately more effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. We okay. see impact right in the first eight weeks, um, often awesome. in the first conversation, actually, for a lot of people. That's why we do guarantee a move in employee net promoter score in eight weeks because we've seen that with- Oh, that's powerful. Okay, so that's one of your overarching metrics. That, again, pick the metrics the company's already measuring and then say that you can move the needle on it, then do it. Absolutely. <laughs> sounds, yeah. simple when you, sounds simple when you say it that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Any skepticism on the employee part around, oh, no, they're, again, there's always the big brother question of like, who's gathering this and who am I talking to and is it anonymous? And is there a barrier there or are we also just getting bit more okay with the fact that this is the world we all live in? <laughs> I think absolutely there's a barrier there and it's always going to be there when it comes to AI, like look at it with self-driving technology. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, we are very serious about that. And so we, we, as Israel was designing Cratic, it was kind of right around the Facebook scandal time where everybody was so lots up of, in arms lots about of that in the election. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we made the decision that the company actually owns all their data, which is quite unique. So at any time, we will delete everything that the company has in the oh, system. Oh, kind of so that the right to be forgotten concept. Yes, yeah. And we don't keep, we don't sell any of it as well. We have no third-party resellers. So I resigned from that like organization. That. I move on. I moved to another organization, which is the world we live in. Frequent, often frequently, I can simply get a notification from AR, this individual is no longer at our company. Then would you email them and say, do you want us to keep your data for future or would you like us to delete it? I'm sorry, that's a, I'm way down in the weeds on that question. But I think it's so important because we're all, it's it's on, you know, like every three news feeds or something about privacy these days. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're going through that right now and kind of determining what that looks like. But we take it one step further and yeah, we, we'd ask you, do you actually want to keep your data? Because that individual might take Cratic to a, the new team that they go to or to their new adventure. Well, th- that would be ultimately which, great, right? The world of influencers is very important for business to, yes, to spread absolutely. its scale. Yeah, so they could keep it or they could delete it. They'd kind of have the choice there. Um, and then the organization has the same choice at a team level. Like if they chose to stop using Cratic entirely, then we'd take everything out of the system for them because privacy is number one right now. It's absolutely critical. I appreciate that. Well, because ultimately we're still humans and it comes down to trust, right? Yes. <laughs> put all the yeah. algorithms at it if you want, but it, trust is still at the base of whether it's Lencioni's five dysfunctions of the team. Trust is the bottom of the period, pyramid for a reason. So, But ultimately with a tool like this, I'm assuming one of the also outcomes is an increased level of trust amongst your team. Back to your point about n- removing false hope. I gave you feedback and it, I saw change. 
nothing will demotivate us as team members or as leaders when you get that information. Like, you know, my friend in HR always asks, don't ask the question unless you're prepared to actually respond to with like beyond the answer, like more than just going, uh-huh. Or else yeah. don't, don't send out a survey that you're not willing to action because it's just going to drive your team crazy. And I think, I think we've been guilty of that of a lot, like asking a lot of questions, but not necessarily delivering with the answers. Or the, or the yeah. Answers. And, and humans are very, um, very inventive and very, and very innovative and they want to fix their own problems. So what Craddock does is it really creates an open, safe place for them to do that. Like just by having 30 minutes a week for an authentic dialogue, we've seen teams action and correct some of the things that have been bothering them for a long, long time, but they never had the opportunity before. It just never came up before. Yeah, How often yeah, the old joke, you can't fix a secret, happens. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Okay. So Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. And I hope my audience, I'm, I'm getting it. I'm building this picture. I'm the, always the imaginary whiteboard as I'm drawing it all out. Talk to me about also being a startup. Like it's, it's glamorized. It's the thing to do these days. You know, I joke, we were joking offline when I was in school, which maybe wasn't that long ago. If I said, I want to be an entrepreneur. You'd kind of get sent for some special programs to make, like, cause you're now a problem child. Cause you're not following the preordained path of doctor, lawyer, engineer, or, you know, whatever, whatever those might be. You currently, and we won't get into the details, but you currently um, hold down, a, you have a full-time job. This is your quote-unquote side hustle that feels like it's getting right out of hand, which is a good thing. I say that compliment. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this was a good idea. This was a little side thing that got going. Tell us a little bit about the journey. How has that been for you, kind of juggling these things? And then maybe kind of tell us a little bit about what it's been like in the Calgary ecosystem and the support worker uh, network that's been there to help you in this journey. Absolutely. Yeah. So I had four kind of side hustle startups prior to this that were all fantastic. Oh, a, a veteran side hustler. Okay, nice. I so, love it. Okay, I asked the right guy the right question. Yeah, they, they never really took off. And I think Craddock is different for a variety of reasons um, that I, I'm really fortunate that I kind of stumbled into a little bit. So firstly, I have a really strong co-founder that is full-time on this, that, that found Craddock, like he actually found me. And put me into the CEO position later, which was quite interesting. Okay, awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I would say find and partner with the right individual. Um, and and he's given me a lot of space as well. So that's Israel Peck. Like he he understands kind of my current situation. We we know our roles and our tracks and kind of what we do. Um, and so he's been really absolutely absolutely an incredible source of of strength and everything as well. But I see him, I see the grind that he's putting in every day. I see you know, all the effort that very much entrepreneur hustle, hustler lifestyle. And, and so, you know, I, I would say to any of your listeners that might be exploring it, like find a co-founder or partner that you really trust that you can really work with in the long term because it just makes everything so much more easy. It's a, it's a business marriage or whatever you want to call it, but it's, it's, it's real. <laughs> my business Absolutely. partner is my other most important relationship in my, in my life next to my wife. A hundred percent. Yeah. It depends on yeah. the week. It depends is who spends more, who I talk to more depending on how busy we are, but it's an interesting world. And I think it often gets overlooked and you, you jump in to a deal or to a, to some type of collaboration with someone based on that initial energy. But yeah, think, think that one out, like run that one out, extrapolate it on the graph as far as you can. Cause when things go really sideways, right. Can you still, can you still work together? And that, that, that's where I see a lot of really good ideas fail because partnerships weren't properly structured or, or not thought through maybe the way that, uh, that they could have been. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the second thing that I would just add is uh, that you, you want to ensure that you're very open and that you're being your own authentic self in all aspects of your life. So those other three, four previous side hustles, you know, they were always a separate part of myself. Um, and I kind of kept them on the side. I didn't talk about them a lot. I don't know if it was like kind of an embarrassment thing or, or, or like just a branding thing, but Craddock and, and my full-time job is very much like all one. So obviously you need to talk with them and do the right, you know, code of business ethics, get everything signed make sure that they're aware Make sure you're not competing or taking advantage or making any money or everything like that. But once you check all those boxes, I was able to share on LinkedIn very authentically, like kind of both sides of myself. And that's been really, really rewarding and really fulfilling because I don't feel like I'm living these half lives anymore. So and, and I find actually very synergistic as well. Like now that I'm able to talk openly about it with with so many different people, it's amazing how many people want to help and like want to figure out how they could be involved. And so that's been really rewarding as well. So find the right co-partner or co-founder and then be open about it and, and try to be as authentic as possible. People want to help like everyone I've run into is want to help somehow. 
I love, thanks for being honest on that, the authenticity of like, how do you be your whole self and how do you show up? Because trying to be anyone else is exhausting for starters. I found mm-hmm. yeah. I do so much better when I, when I'm, when I'm just me, but creating permissibility with your organization, are you, uh, was that well received? And I, again, my thought is that I'm seeing a lot more organizations that maybe 10 years ago would be like, no, 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 like no side hustles, no moonlighting. Like it's here, it's in our agreement. Versus I see a lot of, and you work for a large organization, they're looking for entrepreneurship. They're looking for intrapreneurship, which I'm seeing more organizations showcasing it because I believe that they're starting to get that there's a benefit to them in this whole journey. Where 10 years ago, it was a scarcity mindset where I'm seeing it shift. And maybe that's also just me with rose colored glasses, but I I like those rose colored glasses. I think it's a better outcome. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, I think there's a huge benefit to them right now and to large organizations, especially in energy in Calgary. And the entire industry, if we are looking at energy transition, and I think a lot of folks are right now, you don't do that with the same skills that you've been running a business with for the past, you know, 20, 10, 30 years. You need entrepreneurship and innovation and thinking differently. I I believe, I might be wrong here, stepping out of line, but what a lot of these large organizations are trying to do is create internal businesses and help them get bigger and better and transition And I think we're seeing a lot of great things in industry as well. The Avatar program came to Calgary and gained huge momentum. I participated in that. It was a fantastic program bringing together industry and entrepreneurship. And their big big, um, claim to fame was that they allowed people to work on businesses while they were working internally in these large organizations that that sponsored the Avatar program, such as uh, Suncor and Synovus. and, And there's a few others. Definitely check out their website. But... Um, So you're seeing more and more like that kind of emerging of the entrepreneurship and corporate uh, worlds. And I think it's a really, really good thing. And you're also seeing more hiring, like when people are doing hiring in the industry. um, I've I've looked at people and I'm sure others have as well that, you know, we're doing lime juicing or something like that. And they were filling up those lime scooters or or they have a photography business or something like that on the side, a YouTube channel. All of these things are really, really kind of great and interesting and I help, I think help make a more well-rounded candidate. And those are all skills that I think we'll need in the future as we move forward. I, I appreciate that. And I, I, that's what I'm starting to see as well. And it's also the people I talk to tend to be the people that live in that, in that space or doing the things that are, that are different that aren't just following the path, the path that we've been, you know, what, what got you here won't get you there and all those cliches. You mentioned the Avatar program mm-hmm. as, as a startup. What's the... You know, how's the incubator journey been? And maybe I'm never used the right word. Like all that support network that I know that's out there and I bounce into it all the time, never personally gone on the journey. What's that been like as a startup having, like, has that been huge for you guys in terms of being able to like level up kind of a force multiplier? So that, thank you for bringing that up, Tyler, because that was actually the third point of why Craddock was different, which I think is absolutely critical. <laughs> After a good co-founder, it's probably number two. I never took advantage of the startup programs before, but wow, Calgary, Alberta has some incredible startup programs. Like the Avatar program, we didn't use that for Craddock, but I participated in it in a different project. It expanded my mind, introduced me to like a huge network. I met some incredible individuals. Then we participated in Platform Calgary, the Junction program. Um, Shout out to all those guys as well in, in that new innovation building. That entire team um, is absolutely incredible. I just had Terry. I just had Terry on a couple of weeks ago for an up for an update. It's it. Yeah, that's amazing. What there? I think Terry was one of my first kind of ten ten. It, they're shaking up the entire Calgary. I think Alberta Innovates is absolutely incredible. And then we also joined a Creative Destruction Lab, and we got into there. And every program's a little bit different, but not a single one has not been that valuable so far. If you are a startup, apply to everyone, even if you think it doesn't apply to you. And just and go out there because there's a they, and there's a lot of resources out there and there's a lot of programs out there and they've been very critical in helping Craddock get to where it is now. Fantastic! Uh, it's so good to hear. I'm curious again how much you want to get into the details. Where you guys are in terms of like, have you got have you you know drip, gone for external funding? Kind of what that journey's been like. Uh, that, but I'm also curious. I've had a lot of guests come on the show talk about that. There's a really good incubator program or incubator community, but then there's a gap that often happens in like that chasm of death. And I've heard it called a bunch of, a bunch of different things where it's that difference between like, yeah, we've got an incubated and we've really promoted a great idea, but then it's that first customer gap. Mm-hmm. How do we get somebody in here that'll really look quote unquote, take the risk or take the chance mm-hmm. where are you guys are, where are you guys at in that journey? And has funding external funding played a factor along that same lines? 
so I think we're just crossing the chasm, like to kind of to kind of put it in those terms. Um, and if you read the book Crossing the Chasm, it's a great book. You need to find certain customers or a niche to start paying and adopting. And they're not going to be the same as your early adopters. Like they're going to be a little bit more, um, they're, they're going to want more results and more bang for their buck. And so that's kind of where we are right now. But that would not have been possible without Junction Program Platform, Calgary, and Creative Destruction Lab. And they all kind of did slightly different things. So Platform Calgary, um, through the Junction Program, really helped us level up in a lot of different ways. So get our business case together, get our key markets together, get our key customers together. Creative Destruction Lab is a little bit more of a sink or swim but that being said, that's also where I believe more there's a lot of funding there and a lot of access to to mentorship. But so the two programs put together were really nice because Junction was kind of giving us a little bit of that TLC and holding our hand and kind of helping us get through some of these difficult things. Then CDL was coming in a little bit more with, again, that sink or swim mentality, but giving us access to capital and investors and mentors. And we haven't raised money yet, but we are planning on doing a raise in 2022 at the end of the CDL program. And all okay. of that is kind of helping us prep for that stage. Um, first and foremost is revenue, like getting more customers in the door. And we've been successful in, in doing that for January 2022. Uh, and after that, then we'll be looking at uh, funding, financing to help us grow. Fantastic. And so to be, to be again, blunt, how many, how many customers do you, is it customers? Is it users? I'm assuming there's a customer and then there's how many users on the system based on like kind of what are some of the metrics you guys look at and, and where, where's that sitting? And again, you can be as transparent or not. I know I'll just keep asking questions. It's up to you how you want to answer. You know, I'll be, I'll be open with it. We love to share. So throughout the pandemic, it's, it's been a very busy time for us being that we're just two individuals, but we've been with eight different companies and over 400 users and so that's led to over 2,500 like answers in our tool and hundreds of culture huddles or like Cratic huddles being initiated through our tool. So we've, we've kind of tested the system, I think, quite a bit to this point. Um, and then now actually starting in January, we, we've reached a few milestones where we got our first enterprise client. So they're a 50 person organization that's going to run this with all the teams. That's really interesting because for the first time, I think, in that I've seen maybe ever, through natural language processing, you're able to actually give an organization a score on how they're doing against their corporate values, which wasn't as easily oh, wow. done wow, that's, that's hugely powerful. That's amazing. Absolutely. Because so that's when, a very elusive, qualitative, let's be honest, loosey-goosey, like how do you measure it? And, you know, like that, that, that's interesting. You're taking, oh, wow, that's, that's amazing. That's a huge value. So would you say that's going to be like, is that your competitive advantage? Is that when you roll that out, do you, does the obvious sudden everybody straighten up in their chair a little bit to say, well, we've never been able to do that. <laughs> I think what I've seen as our biggest competitive advantage is that we have value to a single team doing this, which is quite different than other engagement surveys. So normally that it needs to be an entire organization. We're not like that. Yeah. If one team in a group of a thousand teams does Cratic, they'll see value. And that's kind of what has helped yeah. us differentiate. But the, the value tracking and the value measuring is definitely a differentiator as well. I mean, if a, if a corporation says that diversity or curiosity or humility is one of their values, for the first time through the Cratic program, they can actually measure the tones and language in people's voices. And we can say, well, according to benchmarks, you know, you're actually lower in humility or you're higher in curiosity. How are you going to improve that? And, and then that's up to them to kind of take that data to the next step or just using Cratic itself will help improve those scores and metrics. We've seen it time and time again. Just by using just by using the tool and creating a different way for people to express themselves and to feel heard. Absolutely. Yeah. Like if I meet with you every week and I ask you like, Tyler, how are your podcasts doing? I guarantee you they, they'd improve. And I'm sure they're improving anyway, but it's kind of that like what you're talking about. I appreciate about it. We done. can set up that call. I, I love talking about it. I love, we'll record it too just to do it. I don't even need to do anything. I just ask you the question and I kind of have you think through it uh, and then you'll you'll get there. The old joke, you can tell a lot of person by the, a lot about somebody by the questions they ask. Yeah. The fact that they're asking questions also is a good. What's the curious around, this is kind of a, maybe not in the way you're doing it, but if you think of 
surveys and human resources and net promoters and all these things, this is a bit of a noisy space, I mm -hmm. would say. Because we've been trying to, because we know there's a problem, right? So there's a whole bunch of people rushing in to try to sell a solution and there's companies going, ah, geez, we tried this and six months later, it's not what we wanted. How has that been for you guys to kind of get cut through? Because it's the best programs in the world. Sometimes if you're to the outside, it can look quote unquote, just like another program just like another initiative and the last three we tried didn't work. What's the, what, what's the response there and kind of what's that conversation been like for you? Cause I'm sure it's come up in the room. I'm sure you've, that's been an objection. Absolutely. And I'd say everybody, everybody is skeptical because culture has not been really well defined yet. We were skeptical. We've been working, like I said, in the culture space for a long, long time. Israel was working in the culture space for a long, long time. And, and there aren't a lot of good tools that actually do what they say they're going to do. So that's why we actually guarantee that move or we don't charge anything. So that's kind of another little bit of a differentiator. But I'd say two things that are kind of allow us to separate ourselves from that pack a little bit is firstly for an engagement survey, a good response rate is in like the 40 to 60% range. Like if you're over 50%, you, you crushed it. That's awesome. We have that a, becomes one of your metrics. How many people actually cared enough to respond? Ab absolutely. We have a 98% rate response rate in the Cratic tool, um, which is absolutely, I'm shocked by it still. To That's this almost day so good. Bit. It sounds untrue. You know what I mean? I'm like, wait, is, what? Really? Come on. Yeah. Because you told me 78. I might believe you a little bit more. <laughs> well, what, what we've seen is- That's interesting. It, yeah. What we've seen is, and it's so funny, people might kind of not sign up for the first session because they're like, I don't know what this is. We, we just ask, that's fine. Come to the room and come to the Cratic discussion. They see the questions, they hear the dialogue, and they're like, well, I want to participate in this. And they go yeah, back okay. and they- I, I have a point of view. I have an opinion. <laughs> yes, like and they re-answer the first questions. One of the best questions is, what's the difference between manipulation and influence, which I'm sure we can spend an hour talking about. But once you talk about that as a team, everybody's kind of like, oh, I want to get in here too. And we've seen people after the first session go back, re-sign up, answer all their questions and engage fully afterwards. So the response rate is really big for us um, that we're quite a bit higher. Also the time commitment and time required. When you sit down to, the, to, the, to do those surveys, Pulse surveys can take some time. Annual engagement surveys can sometimes take over an hour. Uh, Cratic is just very simply 30 minutes a week for eight weeks. But what we say is you replace an existing team meeting. So most teams do meet um, for an hour a week or maybe more, maybe less. But we just say take 30 minutes or reallocate 30 minutes of your week to Cratic and you'll notice the difference. And that's what a lot of teams to do. So it's no additional time and it has a very high response rate. So as a result of those two things, I think um, people do see value in the tool right away. Very interesting. Having been through a lot of these things over the years, you're, 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 you're meeting a lot of the, well, yeah, but I didn't see that work. I didn't see this work. From a pricing model, and again, we don't you can get into as much detail as you want. Is this like based on a per user? You mentioned enterprise. You mentioned things like net promoter and certain things that are also typically more present in larger organizations, not necessarily smaller. Is there any barrier to the size of the company that can come in? Is it cost barrier or is it just you've got to have enough people? No, you said that actually you can have a very small team and it can still be functional. Mm -hmm. It, yeah, it, it any single team can be functional. We recommend teams of like at least four. Otherwise, you're sacrificing a little bit of anonymity. But I find like six to ten is kind of the okay. prime size. The, the there is, I mean, there there could be a few obstacles depending on how you view it. Um, so it is a premium culture product. So it's going to be more expensive than team drinks, for example, or something like that, because you get more impact than like going out for team drinks once yep. a week, right? So. It is, it, it comes to $50. There's an argument that that isn't culture, but that's, 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 that's another conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or it could, or it could pose a risk to your culture, even depending on how they yes, go. Or it could be for some people while alienating other people. Ab that's a problem absolutely. Yeah. You want something that's inclusive for everybody. Right. So it is, uh, for the Cratic program, it's $50 per user per month is what, is what we marketed at right now. Uh, and then of course okay. there's a sliding scale depending on the size of your organization and, and what exactly you're looking for. And so it could change potentially based off that, but that's what we're going to market with right now. Okay, cool. Thanks for just laying it out. And, and curious, when you start looking at markets and opportunities, is, is this a Canadian like market? Is it us? Is it global? This is a problem that exists anywhere. This is this, this, this bridges barriers. So when you guys look at your opportunities, you're based in Western Canada which I'm excited and proud of, but at the same time, I'm also, I love seeing companies going outside of our borders and having huge mm -hmm. impact. 
And sometimes I've talked to a lot of Calgary companies that need to go outside our borders to make impact and then come back and be successful here. But that, again, that's another, that's another podcast. Yeah. What are you guys seeing for opportunity? Is it, is it your backyard or are you looking at a bigger kind of global uh, platform? For so it, it definitely can apply globally. We're, we're somewhat more focused on North America right now, but where Israel and I are both really passionate about is the energy sector. I think there's a lot of things happening okay. right now in energy that make it kind of prime for a tool like this. It, it's naturally very volatile. You have ups and downs. You have increases and decreases in company size quite often. You have mergers and acquisitions. You have volatility in the entire industry. And really what our tool does is it increases the storming, norming, performing cycles for teams. So for an industry that could be experiencing a lot of volatility, it gives that consistency and it helps smooth it out. And I've been a part of some of these sessions um, with uh, small junior oil and gas companies where, you know, they start talking for the first time ever, I would assume, in that team about what it was like to walk people out the door that they've worked with for so long. And people have been crying in Craddock sessions. There's a lot of laughing, too. It's a lot more fun than that. But it, yeah, but it creates a But space. when you get into real stuff, you get into real emotion. And that's just absolutely. Yeah. And so that's where we really like to focus, because I think both of us grew up in that space, too, a little bit. Obviously, being from Calgary, it's really close to home. But Creative Destruction Lab and the Junction Program and other accelerators like that are really pushing us into the healthcare um, system as well as North America market, just because in the US there are, I believe, 23,000 companies that are over 1,000 um, employees, and that's really kind of our target market. Like I said, we've been contacted by a lot of entrepreneurs, smaller startups that want to use it on their teams because they want to maintain their culture well. Because they, they have the high get it factor, right? They're like, oh, let's do this right away. Like you don't have to sell the idea. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but the, but the, the most yeah. impact is when, if you can take an entire organization of a thousand or more employees and get their employees talking more positively and more frequently about their organization than ever before. Just imagine that impact. And that's what we, that's what we're going to do. Oh, that's fantastic. How's the reality of staffing? And you said you guys are only two right now. And are you just kind of entering the next phase of like all the lovely challenges that come with growing a business? And, and this is obviously a, a technical, uh, maybe I should ask that question. Like when you look at your next wave of bringing, growing your team, are they technical based people or are these consumer facing culture experts or are they full stack developers? So we're right now, full stack developers. I see the hours Israel's okay, putting in. I see him nearly pulling his hair out okay, on, on it, development it. and we need to get some more developers on uh, with us. The, the other thing that's kind of unique about Craddock, which helps makes us a little bit scalable or very scalable, I should say is that we are not a consulting solution. Like I think the last thing companies need is necessarily to have external consultants come in and, and tell them about their culture. So they actually facilitate and run their own Craddock sessions using our tool. So um, it, it, it allows the team to take a little bit more control. Okay, so you've got kind of the super, the super user kind of mindset where you're empowering those individuals. My wife years ago, I think she was at Conoco maybe, and she was, it became an ergonomic specialist because they had someone in teach a portion of the team that was interested in to help mm -hmm. people then set up their office and their desk properly. So the, the, you know, the consultants came in, trained a group of kind of super users or in-house experts. And then, then that was also an interesting culture because now you're helping your teammate, right? So I watched them do that on something like I, I, I see that very similar and then you're not limited. So oh, we have to get the consultants back for that new wave of, of, of teams. And I think there's a lot to be said. I think and there's a balance where companies are, are, you know, with, with this, doing it yourself yeah. really shows you're all in, right? <laughs> it's not a consultant dictating top down to us. And then they leave. Yes. Yeah. And then oftentimes the with them, the solution sometimes too, if it's not sustained. Uh, <laughs> oh, they leave yeah. behind a binder on the shelf, right? That's what yes. we've all seen over the years. We're not, we're not sold that we, we, yeah, that that happened. Hey, something you said that really triggered for me in terms of a, a, an advantage as we live and you start to look at the future of work and and teams coming together, completing a project, dispersing, you know, there's so many interesting concepts around work. I see this as a really, because the challenge I always see, even when we, in our business, we use external contractors and unless there are people we use for a while, there's a culture piece that's missing. There's the things you take it for granted and how you communicate aren't there, but yet you need them for this project. You spool it up and we're living in such a project-based world of like, okay, we need all these smart people to do this mm -hmm. thing, but they've never worked together before. That's a real interesting concept to think about a tool like this to go, yeah, we're all going to come together to do this, but we're going to start with this as kind of the underpinning of how we figure out what our dynamic is. That to me seems really interesting, not like beyond remote work, but also kind of ramping up and bringing a group of experts together 
that don't know each other from a hole in the wall, that's a tough dynamic. And then put them in a high stress, high deadline, high pressure situation. Yeah. Oh, what could go wrong? <laughs> Absolutely everything. So would you guys see that also like larger established companies, but using it for that type of a tool, would, would that help backstop uh, the culture? Yeah, piece? absolutely. And I, I sound like a broken record. I just keep saying that over and over again, but I think. <laughs> yes, Tyler. Yes. Yeah. I may be leading it because as I'm understanding it, I'm thinking of these different ways that I could, you know, I, I, yeah, I you're doing the selling for me. So I, I think again, you hit the nail on the head, <laughs> two kind of good stories that I've seen that, that kind of reiterate that are use cases that, that really stood out to us for Craddock because when we created it, we didn't know how people are going to use it. Like how, how does an authentic conversation really change an organization? And two unique things came out of it. So firstly, we worked with a company that was always remote um, since before the pandemic. So their employees actually never met each other in person. But we didn't know this, but they also never turned on their cameras during meetings whenever they did meet. So Craddock was the first time they saw That's each other. That's an interesting <laughs> dynamic of the company. Yeah, so yeah. that, that, that was interesting. interesting. And then after their Craddock sessions, we got told that for the manager mentioned that she's seen calls and kind of ad hoc calls to team members about different problems go up tenfold because now that they met each other and kind of had some authentic conversations that weren't all work related all the time, they, they're not, they're not strangers. strangers anymore. And so they'd be yeah. reaching out whenever they had a problem with each other. So that was really cool to see. The other thing we heard from another team that was experiencing rapid growth. So I think they did, Five, they were a team of five and they brought on five other people over the Craddock program. So they brought on, you know, another 100% of their team in eight weeks. And they said that the new employees, they actually let run their culture huddles and their Craddock huddles. And they said this was an incredible experience because anyone can host one. When you first start a job, it's like a little bit uncomfortable because you're not sure how I'm providing value, but anyone can put their own spin on a Craddock facilitation right away. So they instantly learned like who leads with humor in a facilitation, who's very conscientious and methodical and like sets everything up, who's very improvisational and kind of runs it on the fly. So they used it for their new employees to really own a little bit of something until they were providing value in the work sense. And so those were two really cool use cases to your point and to your question about where, you know, how does this help teams integrate and professionals actually perform better? Um, it, it's been really incredible to see people use this in different ways. I love the creativity. I would never have liked the, the, the new employee one. What a great, because you're at that point, you don't know social norms. You don't even, you don't even know who speaks first and all, you know, all those weird nuances that happen in group dynamics, but to empower yeah. someone like that with the tool and like, what a way to get to know it. Like, it's almost, it's like, what it's, it's like rapid rapport. You just, boom, you immediately will get comfortable with that person. And, you know, I, and a friend of mine said to me, he always says this, because, you know, we wait till we trust and then we're vulnerable. But the second we're vulnerable, we immediately create trust. How do we get that order reversed? And I really love that. And that's kind of resonating with me a little bit as I'm hearing you talk about this system, that little bit of honesty with each other creates vulnerability and then trust goes up almost, uh, your, you know, tr your trust or whatever those things you're meeting, which are all, all around, around those kind of similar. Uh, curious, Mike, oh, this is fantastic. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm a solution out of my head. I'm doing that client thing. They're like, okay, we've got him. He's now, he's now figuring out, I, we work in the home builder industry and it's like, once they're talking about where the couch goes, you've kind of got the house sold. I've heard that. So yeah. I'm already, I'm already <laughs> figuring out where I'm going to put the couch. I'm just like, like, how can I use this in my team? And this would be amazing. Be, I've heard this being a, uh, what is it? Being a, being a startup is like being a deer in the forest. You got to be alert because everything can, everything's going to chase you or try to kill you at some time. Yeah, yeah. When you think about it and you look out and maybe this is a bit of a weird question. What are some of the things that keep you up at night? Like back to the, get your startup hat on, you're building this thing. You're clearly all in. I love you. I love your passion and the thought you put into this. What are the, some of the things you go, okay, over the next year, a couple of years, these are the things we really got to watch out for so we can keep this ship headed in the right direction. Great question. What do we really need to watch out for? There's a few things that kind of keep me up at night um, in this space. I think it's the first one is probably it's absolutely massive right now. And I think with the pandemic, with the great resignation, I think one of the positive things to come out of the pandemic is people are actually thinking about their purpose and what they want to do. Um, so that creates a lot of positive headwinds for us. And I think that's going to attract a lot of competition as well which we'd actually like to see a little bit more of. We find that the culture space for people that, that are doing very similar things with NLP is a little bit narrow right now. But, you know, that is something that I think could be happening. And it would be very easy, I think, for one of the large, big, big um, monopolies to kind of just come in and create some sort of tool like this, right? So 
that's probably yeah it the, becomes the an add-on to your microsoft office suite or something like that yeah, yeah that's that's a huge risk yeah that's a, absolutely yeah. yeah so we're trying to again through cdl through these accelerators kind of establish ourselves in the market really quickly nice. um the the other thing well let me think about it for craddock specifically that would probably that would probably be the biggest risk i think we have a lot of positive things happening right now in the direction um, I see it heading in the right direction. The, oh, the other thing, pardon me, is um, development, manpower, and everything. Like, we just need yeah, to get yeah. more developers. That's unfortunately a very common theme I hear on the show. Like, ooh, we just got to get, we get the people, but we need more of them, and, and we got to find them, and they're just not there yet. And yeah. Absolutely. And being, a, being able to incorporate customer feedback very, very fast, because everyone gives us so many great features that we want to build in. There's really, I mean, there's no limit to the things that this tool could do, and we need to prioritize and figure out the most important things and then build them in very, very quickly. Because as a, as a small startup, that is one of our advantages over the Twitters, the Facebooks, right? Because they do speed take and, a while Speed and agility. Yeah, speed. yeah, we're able to change very, very quickly and incorporate that feedback. So developers and competition are probably our next two major milestones we're going to be thinking about over the next six months. I appreciate that. Sorry, I was a little bit put you on the spot on, the, on, on, on that question. Um, obviously, working with the network, and I know a lot of the, I've had a lot of the CDL uh, leaders on the show, and great network, and you know, deep pockets and big rolodexes of experience and 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 relationships. When you think about the raising money, getting into the end of 2022, do you feel right now, kind of maybe, and this may be early stage, you feel you're going to be able to do that in Western Canada, or is this something you're going to have to go a little bit bigger for? So that's a, that's a very interesting question. I mean, obviously, because I think we all love Calgary, we all we all love Canada. But I just, um, uh, if I could give a shout out to another another startup class rebel, they're called, but they do uh, a finance course that I took with them, which was an yeah. incredible finance course. But she mentioned in that course that in Canada you just do get lower valuations. Um, that's just kind of like the the norm, and the VCs in Canada, you know could give you lower valuation. So if you want to raise large amounts of money, then then Silicon Valley is still kind of the place to be going down to the US. Um, that being said, I am seeing like headwinds and things changing. I, I, I'm seeing a lot of non-dilutive capital available in Alberta. So we, okay. Israel that's, and that's I are inter now- That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like we're seriously considering like, do we need to even do a raise? Because there's Alberta Innovates, there's IRAP program, there's the Shred program. There's so many different programs that give you money multipliers when you're participating yep. in new research like this, that we're, we don't necessarily think that we're forced to do a raise right now either. That being said, if we need to grow rapidly, then that's kind of the best way to Well, back to, to defending it. your market position and, you know, size does that a little bit. It's yeah. I was talking to, I had some VCs on the show recently and one of them said, he goes, hey, like, Let's be honest. If you don't have to take my money, you shouldn't. <laughs> you should yeah. keep more of it for yourself. Like, just don't forget. It's not just the natural next step. If you don't need to, don't do it. He mm. goes, that might seem weird for me to say that, but you still got to look at the fundamentals of your business. And sometimes he goes, I meet with people. I'm like, you, you are fine. Just get through the next three months. You don't need, you don't need to give me a piece or, you know, take my, take my money, which I appreciated that mindset versus just that's the automatic next step of growing your startup. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Do you know, so, uh, do you know jo Joanne Fideko from Connection Silicon Valley? Uh, yes, actually, we yeah, have. Good. We so have not, I was going to do an yeah. intro to you because she's awesome. She's a great lady. She's a powerhouse, and she's got some. She's got a great Rolodex <laughs> being down in the Yes, uh, I am on her on her email list and everything too. We've touched base a couple of times. We actually okay, met in person pre pandemic and all of that. So yeah, it, that's the other thing I love about the startup community. I mean, we know because we met we met through a mutual acquaintance as well. There's it's very interconnected, which is very very cool. I do love that back to the big, small town. And when you get into the startup community and the VC community, especially in Western, it's tiny. Everybody knows everybody. But I've yeah. also heard from a lot of people that it doesn't, you're not at this, at the series A or series B round where there's a little bit more competition to get that, the whole part of the deal. Everyone I've talked to, whether it's Jade Alberts over at Pure Guidance or it's they're like the level of collaboration and like, Hey, I'm going to go in on a deal. Do you want to come in too? Or maybe this isn't a deal for me, but I'm going to tell my buddy about it because he's interested or Hey, startup, you should go talk to so-and-so. I've heard nothing but positivity that really, I do believe that level of collaboration is one of our superpowers in Western Canada. And sounds like you guys have been experiencing exactly that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, collaboration is the new competition. And I do I do really believe that. <laughs> it's a cliche, but I, I do think no, that's I've what heard, I I've heard so that twice. I've heard it for a while because you're right, it's kind of, but that's an interesting concept because we're kind of all like back to the, our pandemic comments from the beginning of the show. Like we're all in this together. We're all cutting, cutting, fighting that common foe. And and I had someone on the show that day too and they said, you know, like, I think it's going to stick this time in Alberta. Like, I think, like, I think we've like had a downturn long enough as things start to come, as the, as the industry, you know, the energy industry starts to 
I see some real positivity there for the next couple of years. But this other industry's got so much momentum now. I don't think it's just going to all of a sudden suck the air out of it and everything's going to go back to energy. I think we're going to end up with more horses in the race. And that to me is like, I want everybody off the bench or on the field or whatever, whatever metaphor you want yeah. to use. And, and I think like a merging and a hybrid of all those things, like, it, you know, it, like we were talking about at the very beginning, you're seeing more entrepreneurship, you're seeing more innovation. Uh, I think Calgary is going to be a really interesting, unique place over the next, uh, you know, couple of decades as we, as we go through this. I agree. You know, even I started the show two years ago and uh, I, I'm a little guilty because I only talk to people like you that are doing these kind of things. But when people ask me, how's it, has been the shift? I said from, you know, the top first 10 guests to the last 10, it's a completely different vibe. There's just like, it's not like, well, we need to build our, our startup ecosystem. It's like, no, we have a startup ecosystem and it's growing. It's, it's just at a different state. And the VC market is becoming more prevalent and more investment dollars are coming in. We're kind of getting our fair share, if you will, on the Canadian stage from what I've been told. But then the gap is still huge. Like the, the upside on how much more money, you know, we need more gasoline to throw in the fire too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike, such a great conversation. I love your honesty. I love, you know, the depth and the, clearly the passion and purpose that you have behind your product and that you're willing to geek out with me a little bit on it. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for that. Um, obviously, craddock.ai, I'm staring at your website. You got lots of good information on there. My goal always is getting people to be curious about something they hadn't heard about before. So if they're, if they're really curious, what's the best way for them to reach out? Can they reach out to you? Should they go to the website? What's the best path? Yeah, absolutely. They can reach out to me directly if they want. It's just mike at craddock.ai. Uh, or they can go to the website, www.cratic.ai, and there's a link there that the email goes directly to me anyway. So either nice. way, you're going to, you're going to get in contact. I'll, with I'll, me. I'll, I'll roads lead to Mike. I got it. I got <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, reach out. And I say the easiest thing to do is just give it a shot. Like we've, that's the other thing that I've been very impressed with, um, in the energy industry in particular is, you know, people are just willing to give this thing a shot and just try it. And they're like, yeah, I'll try it with my team. I love and they end up loving it. And, and that's well, because very, you can pick humble. a team. You don't have to do, it's not like the whole org or nothing. You can do a pilot. You can do a test group. You can get an advocate inside the organization from a business model perspective. That's great because you remove the barriers of like, you know, you don't have to get IT at the table. You don't have to, you can do governance and, and make sure you kind of clear those hurdles really quickly and test it with a group. And I think that's probably going to be a really, you know, you're, you're allowing them to put their toe in the water. Yeah, absolutely. And then become your internal advocate, which we all want. Hey, I just noticed on your site, it says join, join wait list. Uh, is that, uh, uh, I'm just curious if I wanted to get started with this tomorrow, could I, or are you guys kind of building a little bit of a list here? So we do we we have been building a waitlist since the beginning of November because we have Cratic 6.0 coming out, which is the latest version. Which Israel's been cool. head down coding that for all. Ro of okay, got it, Roger, Roger. Head down, yeah. ass up, as they say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So okay. he's he's coding that. Um, so that's kind of what the waitlist was for for Q1 starts of next year, and we have um a few companies right now on that ready to go. So we're we're excited to get the new version loaded up. It's going to have badges you'll be able to have a little bit more control over the conversations that you want to guide a lot of really great insights into the back-end data so we've we've really worked hard to give um individuals managers teams all the tools to have more in-depth conversations so i'm really excited for it to come out 6.0 well congratulations on the journey mike thanks so much for coming on the show love your passion love what you're doing uh happy to help any way I can and helping get your story out there is the first, is the first step. So thank you, my friend. And uh, this will be airing in the new year, but we are, I think Christmas is in a couple of days. So uh, wishing you all the best. And that's going to be a dated, uh, if someone gets to the end, they'll get it. They'll be, they'll be okay. So wishing, wishing you all the best. And thanks for coming on the show. I really enjoyed it. I feel, uh, I feel a part two, where are we now coming back for you and I later in 2022? So but we'll book it in. Mm. 